welcome to Home Dance Film Festival, the podcast that brings a little bit of the Sundance Film Festival to you. We discuss two movies that played at Sundance along with one non-Sundance film, plus a few other fun things thrown in along the way. Today we're discussing The Bronze, Mistress America, and Moxie. I'm Jessica. And I'm Dylan. Dylan, have you ever seen such a beautiful night? Hmm, I could almost kiss the stars they're shining so bright? Hmm. Uh-oh, I know what somebody watched this week. That's right. I watched the Lizzie McGuire movie again. <laughs> I needed to see shots of Italy, and I needed to be able to imagine myself there. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Why didn't you watch, like, a Fellini movie or something? But I needed to also connect to my past, like, transport myself to my past whenever this movie came out. It was a good a good period of my life, so I needed that as well. I needed the comfort and, you know, just, like, a good cry because I'm probably not going to be able to go to Italy or Europe or the UK until I'm, like, 45, so... <laughs> I needed it, and I think I've seen this movie at least 10 times, but I don't like to burn things out, as you know, so it could be less, but I don't think over 10. Yeah. It holds up. It's pretty great, and I think if you were to just watch it, like, standalone, Mm -hmm. like, you didn't know anything about Lizzie McGuire, I think it would still work, but you should definitely do yourself a favor and watch the entire series of The Lizzie McGuire Show, and then watch the movie on Disney+, Plus. whoop whoop, because (laughs) it's amazing. If you're in the mood for that type of, like, lighthearted family entertainment. Yeah, that was such a great show, and I'm sad that we're not getting that reboot, but I understand because Hillary wanted Lizzie to be, like, a full, realized, grown-up adult woman. Bite your tongue. (laughs) And Disney, whatever, whoever was gonna do it, they did not want that. And she's like, you guys, Lizzie is in her 30s, what do you expect her to be doing? (laughs) So she wanted it her way, and she had a vision, and I respect that. So she wanted it BK? She wanted (laughs) to have it her way? She was at BK. Okay. She wanted it her way. So I get that, even though I'm really bummed, but I understand. One thing about this movie, we watched it like two years ago together, I believe. Yeah, whenever it first came to Netflix. Yeah. You said that for people who weren't familiar with Lizzie McGuire, it would probably still work. Yeah. As someone who hadn't watched Lizzie McGuire in like the preceding 10 years before that, uh, (laughs) I didn't really remember a lot of the relationships and stuff. I mean, I I picked it up pretty quickly, but I still, I enjoyed it. That's what I mean. I think you can pick things up pretty quickly and use context clues. Her inner dialogue via the cartoon Mm -hmm. Lizzie, that might be a little strange to people and they might be like, what is happening? But I think it's pretty easy to figure out. Yeah, I'm like, okay, best friend likes her. She likes this other handsome dude that's kind of a doofus. And (laughs) this other girl's pretty mean, but whatever. Yeah, and she's obviously the school bully because they pretty much fill in the gaps. The only thing that's missing is her other best friend, Miranda. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's whenever she was like, I'm peaceful. So now I'm done with the show. I mean, sometimes you just gotta leave the past behind. <laughs> yeah. Which you're not trying to do with this because it's your no. little fountain of youth where you're just like, I just need a little hit. I yeah. just need a little hit of nostalgia and like good it, feelings. It feels so good. So if you want some lighthearted fun in Italy, you know, maybe check it out. Who doesn't want that? <laughs> because it is what dreams are made of. Hey now. <laughs> <laughs> How was your week? Well, Jessica, it's so interesting that you were trying to tap into your youth because, as you know, I am an 80-year-old man, (laughs) so I was tapping into my youth with the 1947 film noir, They Won't Believe Me, and I just remember back in 1947, me as a young man watching this film first run. After the war. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's enough. That's enough of that. The truth is, it's uh, a new Warner Archive Blu-ray that I was reviewing, and the film stars Robert Young, Susan Hayward, and Jane Greer, and I quite like this movie. It's uh, picking up from the theme that we were talking about last week of movies about trials, courtroom dramas, because mm-hmm. it's not completely that, but it's it's framed through that. It begins in a courtroom, and this man is on trial for killing this lady, and he kind of gets up on the stand and tells what led to that, basically, and why he's in. Yeah, see, I was working late one night and this dame came in, see? She had a wild look in her eyes and I knew I was in for it. <laughs> That's a pretty, pretty spot on. You're pretty good with film noir, aren't you? Like, yeah. You're familiar, aren't you? I'm familiar. Okay. This Robert Young character, he's a bit of a cad. Of he's, course. He's a bit of a kind of a womanizer. He's uh, He has a wife, but he's like, eh, I'm not really feeling it anymore. <laughs> 
But he keeps finding himself throughout the movie pulled in by her money because he'll plan on running off with a lady and then his wife will be like, okay, I know what you're about to do, but if you don't, I'll get you this job promotion or whatever. And he's like, fine, I guess I won't choose love. I guess I could choose greed, basically. But throughout this, he's not super sympathetic character because, like I said, he's kind of an asshole. It's a really pretty well done, nicely paced dramatic thriller. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Hitchcock in a way. Um, some of his more like grounded criminal films, which as I was researching the film for the review I'm, I'm going to write, it was actually produced by Hitchcock's longtime assistant. So <laughs> I think there was a little uh, influence there. If you're around the master of suspense that long, I think it, it's going to write rub off a little bit yeah it's a really interesting film seeing how what led to this girl losing her life and all of the twists and turns and it doesn't go exactly where you expect it to and then the ending is a little surprising it's didn't have an old hitchcock ending well it didn't but it did uh (laughs) something happens really quickly and then the movie just ends uh so as you're alluding to my parents don't like the quote-unquote hitchcock ending where nothing is resolved really it just kind of ends and they're like that's it yeah but the movie it's really good i had never heard of it before this warner archive blu-ray but i enjoyed discovering it and the blu-ray it was really impressed me it was immaculate so anyone who likes film noir or kind of twisty dramas thrillers i think it's a good one but another film that i just want to touch on very quickly definitely not as good i watched liam neeson's latest film the marksman all i want to say about this film is i think we were all happy for liam whenever he started kind of getting a reinvention with taken i love that for him (laughs) oh my god i I mean he was grieving the death of his wife and he was just throwing himself into these action films after action film and people were like hell yeah he's kicking ass let's do this but he does have a particular set of skills He needs to use them if he's got them. (laughs) Smoke them if you got them. (laughs) It's been over a decade, and he just keeps doing these films. And he's such a great actor, but he just is sleepwalking through most of these films. We just watched together Honest Thief back at the end of December. And which is basically just swap out names and just tweak the plots just a little bit. So this latest movie had to deal with border patrol stuff and keeping a child safe from cartel. And it's just my plea to Liam and Hollywood, just give him, he might not want it, but an actor of that caliber, he needs to be doing more with his skills. It's very boring. And it's yeah. been boring for probably five or six years. And now I'd say longer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> After the first couple movies. And then everyone wanted their Taken movie. and Yeah. It's just a trend. I like mindless action films, as we spoke about last week with Speed and everything. But <laughs> a lot of these movies are repetitive. These revenge action mm-hmm. movies. So Like, damn, dude, you were in Schindler's List. Yeah. <laughs> Got Oscar noms. Let's do this. Yeah. And, I mean, team them back up with Scorsese. I mean, I know he's in Gangs of New York for a hot minute and... Mm-hmm. Let's just do that. And silence. Mm -hmm, So just pop up in Killers of the Flower Moon or whatever it's called. Do that. (laughs) Do more stuff like that. So this is just, it's my uh, soapbox moment of just give Liam better roles. And also, Liam, just take better roles. (laughs) Just combo that. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. Yes. All right, now that I'm off my soapbox, I want to stretch out my hand (laughs) and say, Jessica, shall we Sundance? We shall. She was the star of the 2004 games. Honey, I know you've been stealing from my truck again. But that was a long time ago. No more allowance. You're gutting off my allowance and you want me to stop stealing? What kind of a sick monster are you? Have you thought any more about working at the gym? I'm not a coach. I'm a star. I was on Dancing with the Stars. It's not called Dancing with the Coaches. Now, if luck would have it, the fate of American gymnastics is in her hands. OMG, Hope and Gregory, I've been like praying that we would run into each other. Maybe we could exchange phone numbers or something and uh, we could text or FaceTime. 
What needs to be the strongest for you to be a champion? My body. Bzz. My endurance. Bzz. My mental constitution. Bzz. Your mind. The Bronze played at Sundance in 2015. It was written by Melissa Roch and Winston Roch and directed by Brian Buckley. It stars Melissa Roch, Gary Cole, Haley Lou Richardson, and Sebastian Stan. Former gymnast bronze medalist Hope Ann Gregory has been living off the free local perks that her celebrity status in her hometown of Amherst, Ohio provide her. A promising young gymnast named Maggie Townsend, who also lives in Amherst, is suddenly in need of a new coach. After a series of events occur, Hope reluctantly ends up training Maggie, even though Maggie now threatens Hope's long-standing town celebrity status. So I'm going to start off by saying that this movie, it kind of tingled a part in my brain that I, Tanya did hmm. the same kind of thing, but I think I, Tanya is way better. Yes. <laughs> but I liked that. It kind of gave me a little bit of like the, the remnants of that high. So that was nice. A dark sports movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to go ahead and talk about the thing that everyone cares about, this ridiculous, insane sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because it's between two Olympic gymnasts and it is super ridiculous, but it's very funny. I was laughing the entire way through <laughs> because it's so stupid. I have to read a quote that Melissa wrote about it. She wrote the scene because she felt that it would be funny, but she refused to be nude herself. So that's a body double of her in that scene. But she said, <laughs> why should I show my boobs and ass when we can pay some unknown to do it? <laughs> I think that's awesome. Yes, Sebastian Stan was in that scene quite a bit, and that is his booty. So if you <laughs> if you want to see that booty, you can watch that scene. It said that he did all but two stunts in the movie, and I'm thinking both of those stunts were in that scene, and I think I know which ones they were. Because they... you studied it extensively, <laughs> I guess. I've studied it in my mind. <laughs> There's, like, one where she is bending over, like, this chair, and he runs and, like, jumps over her like she's the pommel horse. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's one where it's like involves flipping onto a wall and stuff. And I think those were the ones that he didn't do. But he, he was in that scene quite a bit. <laughs> and that's the reason why a lot of people watch that movie. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I had heard a lot about this movie, mostly negative. Yes. People really don't like this movie. So I had super low expectations <laughs> going in. And I liked it. It was better than I thought. It was better than people said it was supposed to be. Yeah. I will admit that it could have been a lot better just because I like Melissa a lot in this movie and her script, it's pretty good. But I think they went overboard on her vulgar stuff, she said. And yeah, I think they're going for like more of a shock value. Yeah, it would have been more effective if every line wasn't so intense and vulgar, rude. Yeah, because there's some really funny stuff in there, but it seems to get lessened when it's sandwiched between equally vulgar things. So it's just a string of your mind just being like, okay, yeah, she said this thing and described this sex act, and so yeah. this person can stick stuff yeah. places. And yeah, there was one part where she talked about ripping a dude's taint in half and wearing it as jewelry, and it. Kind kept going on and on and that one was pretty long yeah i mean i thought that was actually pretty funny because it <laughs> became so ridiculous how long it was but just her going through the town and just talking to her father and just yeah. living her life she was just always spouting off ridiculous things yeah a lot of the times whenever she would interact with her dad i think it was kind of some of the worst parts because it, it went on too long like she would try to just be unnecessarily vulgar and hateful it just seemed like it was trying too hard was my problem it could yeah. If it would have been 30% less vulgar, maybe 40%, <laughs> and had some of the same jokes just... Tightened up. Yeah, it would have been a lot stronger movie, I think, and people would reflect on it a lot better. Yeah, I was reading a lot of the reviews mm -hmm. on Letterboxd and um, IMDb some too. A lot of people don't like that she was so unlikable, and then she barely has a redemptive... Art. Yeah, most of them see it as like a cop-out, like, like a lame redemption. Mm -hmm. and kind of half-hearted but I don't know I just I think because I like dark humor so much that yeah. it didn't really bother me and I didn't see that redemption to be lame or anything or just kind of half-hearted or thrown in so you're like like her mm -hmm. I liked her the entire time I guess that's so I yeah. didn't really care and I just think it's really funny like I like this movie a lot I like it way more than most people yeah like I said it's not as good as I Tonya, but it's still really good and if the writing could be tightened up a little bit as you were saying it'd be even better 
This is a very different movie from my time. Yeah. But I, I get what you're saying. And both Sebastian Stans. So yeah. There's that. Yeah. He was great in it. Yeah. And this was a good role for Melissa. And yeah. it's very different from Bernadette, Bernadette. <laughs> on Big Bang Theory. And I'm glad she had this opportunity to do this. And she wrote this for herself mm-hmm. because it showed a different side. But just this high voice Bernadette. And yeah. Stuff. Except whenever she does Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I like that she showed her range in here. I just think it felt like she felt like she needed to prove herself and like be as extreme as possible to get people's attention. But I don't think it was really necessary. I guess so. Whenever I was reading how extreme it was and so vulgar, and then whenever we watched it, it didn't seem that extreme to me. It seemed a lot like she was trying hard. I wasn't just like, whoa, this is really vulgar. Because I was expecting really crazy vulgar stuff. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're just talking about the sex scene. But I don't know. I thought it would be more. Because it's it's like the same amount of vulgar as like a Quentin Tarantino movie. I was thinking about this. And I didn't want it to come across as that I could not handle a woman, a woman saying mm-hmm. all this. Because I don't feel it's that. It just... It is for some people. Because I remember reading that. Yeah. That would make sense. Because it makes them uncomfortable that Ugh. a woman doesn't... It's so stupid. Confined to what they... Uh, yeah, they're their little box and they have yeah. to be dainty. Blech. That's not my problem because I'm fine. They can say whatever the hell they want to. And... Damn straight. <laughs> But it didn't seem natural, like a like a real human would be saying these things. There were human moments with her that I really loved. She has like a burgeoning romance with Thomas Middleditch's character, and there were some nice things, yeah. like the mall scene where he takes her on the date. I thought that was a really great scene because you could tell she had her defenses up and wanted to kind of revert back to her more. Just wanted to let her guard down. Yeah, but she was kind of fighting it, but then she kind of did let her guard down, and ju- you saw a little bit of more like human she doesn't need to be gentle but just more like natural real like in the moment yeah if it would just been just a slightly more in that direction that yeah. i think would have worked it just going through town being the way she would speak to <laughs> Haley lee richardson <laughs> and just put her down it's and so funny it though. was very funny but it was just outrageous insult on top of outrageous insult on top of outrageous insult and it was just like what is this movie yeah i think because because I like things. I know that we just rewatched this, but like Drop Dead Gorgeous, they don't seem real a lot of times. Yeah. Because it's highly satirical. Mm-hmm. And it's just, these people don't seem real, but then there are people, small town, quirky, weird people. Yeah. But I just find it super funny. I just really like dark humor. And so whenever she says these things in the bronze that they don't seem real, mm-hmm. I take it as like her character. I don't know. I just, it doesn't bother me that much. Maybe what would have worked better for me is if she stayed exactly how she was, but the other characters were also kind of meeting her there because it seemed like she was on this island alone and then everyone else was fairly natural except for occasionally Sebastian Stan. I think Haley Lee Richardson, Maggie, like wasn't natural because she was really kind of a ditz. She was gullible. Yeah, she's not a ditz. She was gullible and naive. Yeah, because she was so enamored with Hope and really respected her and would just do anything she said because she grew up admiring her. Yeah, and I think she was sheltered because of her previous coach. Yeah. And not living life and just doing all gymnastics. But she seemed not real. I guess so. I I really liked her, though. Yeah, me too. And like I said, this movie goes to excess sometimes. There was a scene where it showed the effects of Hope's coaching on her, where she suddenly (laughs) has like a huge like beer belly and stuff. And you're just like... Okay, now, because they have to kind of montage it away to yeah. get her back into training shape. Her s- trying to sabotage her career and then just how extreme it goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny because you're just like seeing this girl trying to lift herself up or trying to even reach the bars, like jump up because she's so fat. Yeah. It was funny, but like also it just kind of a little unbelievable. Yeah. But I just, I took that as like just the humor and ridiculousness of the movie. What I'm saying is with that and how I think Hope was acting, if the other parts of the movie would have been heightened like that, then I think it would have all gelled a little better for me. Maybe. But then you would have lost some of the heart, I feel. Throughout the movie, I was rooting for Hope. Mm -hmm. Like, I was rooting for her to learn and become a better person and learn that she doesn't just need to keep 
this celebrity status. Like, she can rise above this and she can do more great things. There are points, because I was rooting for her, that she would do things where I was just like, no, oh man. And it would really bum me out. I didn't hate her for it or anything mm -hmm. because I expected it. Mm -hmm. Like, I was still rooting for her, but I expected her to fall and fail. And she did. It doesn't make sense to me how people just, they can't grasp that, I guess, mm -hmm. because they expect it to be more realistic or something, but it's not. Yeah, with the ending that you were just talk talking about, people not buying her redemption or thinking it was mm -hmm. enough, I think it was perfect for her character because anything else would have been yeah. like, whoa, this isn't the same character we've been watching for 90 minutes. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking when I was reading that. Mm -hmm. It's like you, you can't make anyone happy because if you had a really big redemption, mm -hmm. they would be like, what? And then... She's sunshine and rainbows now. Yeah, so. and then like this one, they're like, Ugh, it's too lame because... Or maybe they just didn't think that she could be redeemed at all. And then the fact that they put it in there, they just got mad at that. I guess so. Maybe they were mad about other parts of the ending. I was surprised by what other parts of the ending. Yeah. Okay. This is the only part of the movie. I'm not going to say yeah. what happened, but it's the only part of the movie that really kind of made me kind of cringe and left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. There was something that happened like post credit scene or whatever, just mm -hmm. like things. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, that doesn't, that's not good. Yeah. It felt like it kind of threw certain characters characters under the bus. Yeah, I didn't like that. That's like only, a cheap joke. Yeah, that's the only thing that I didn't really like because it was, it felt really shoehorned in. Mm -hmm. I was okay with what happened pre-credits because I was like, okay, that makes kind of sense, like realistic. But then like you said, the post-credits, yeah. Yeah, because I was having a good time and then I was like, oh, <laughs> that's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I really liked uh, Hope's dad in the movie, <laughs> Gary Cole. Yeah. He, he's always pretty funny and everything, like Veep and mm -hmm. uh, Office Space. Yeah, I like him a lot. The, his interactions with his daughter were amusing. And just, like you said, it was strange sometimes and ridiculous. But I enjoyed that their relationship was different than I thought it was going to be. Because when it started out, I thought it was going to be he was basically like a stage dad who was mm -hmm. <laughs> forcing. I mean, he kind of was. like they kind he of alluded, Yeah, him. But he was wasn't like you better get your ass out there yeah. and do this he was mostly just chill and just like he wanted to be like a domesticated like stay-at-home dad kind of dude i mean he he worked as the mailman but yeah. he was just like i made your grilled cheese for you what you want for your meal and then she comes out after stealing from his mail truck and just saying why why the hell did you fix me a grilled cheese i said beeperoni or whatever yeah, she's like i don't want that i'm going to sabaro <laughs> Whenever they had, like, real moments just talking and she mm -hmm. wasn't just going for jokes or mm -hmm. being hateful, those moments were nice. Yeah. The movie doesn't need to be just, like, a warm hug, but yeah. just a few more of those, not more of those moments, but just those kind of feelings would yeah. be nice. Yeah, it would have made it, like, almost pretty much perfect for me if it had more of those moments, but I do still have a good time with yeah. it. This movie is a lot better than people yes. lead you to believe. Yes, you definitely need to give it a chance. Because it has, like, something like a 30-something on Rotten Tomatoes, yes. and it's, it's not... Way, it's way better than that. It's not that bad. It's pretty funny, and it will make you laugh. It just can be a bit much. Because it's just kind of, like, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, yeah. all of that stuff, so if you need more of a break, you're not going to absorb it as well. Yeah. But it's way better than that Rotten Tomato score and the IMDb score. Please give it a chance. Also, uh, Thomas Middleditch, he was really good. Mm -hmm. I really liked his performance. It's a shame that lately he's... Creep. Yeah. Yeah. I unfortunately had that in my mind while we were watching and I had to put it aside. Yeah. I was wondering if you had read that or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like the sex cult stuff? Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> not great. I heard it all from Busy. <laughs> <laughs> Busy spilling the tea. Yeah. She always spilled that tea. I often like him in movies, so it's just... Yeah, it's a shame that everyone is turning out to be sickos. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And we've mentioned her a little bit, but I really did love Haley Lee Richardson in here because mm -hmm. I pretty much love her in everything and think she's great, and she's just a really great actress. Yeah, I look forward to seeing even more stuff from her. Oh, good for you! And how was it? Jessica, give me that rating system. <laughs> My rating system is questionable tattoos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would give this movie, I'm wavering on three and a half and four mm. because I really like it, but then it needs tightening up. I think I'm just going to go for four. I'm just going to do Whoa. it. Four questionable tattoos out of five. Okay. I will go with three questionable tattoos out of five for all the reasons I've said. Yeah. And if you want to see if this is a pleasant surprise for you, this is available on Blu-ray and available on Stars as of this recording. 
Hi, this is Tracy Fishko. I go to college in the city, and my mom said I should call you. Uh, my mom is marrying your dad. Do you want to hang out? Do you know where Times Square is? Tracy! Times Square is so crazy. Isn't it? I don't know anyone who lives here. Yours truly. I got off the bus from Jersey. I thought this was the cool place to live. It's Times Square. So stylish. I know. I freelance as an interior decorator. You know the Bowery Hotel? Oh my god, yeah. Well, if you walk about a block south, there's a laser hair removal center that's very hip. I did the waiting room. She lived exactly how a young woman should live. Who wants to spend her youth well? Must we document ourselves all the time? Must we? She did everything and nothing. You don't know what you're selling. No one will know how to buy it. What are you selling? So many things. Being around her was like being in New York City. I'm an autodidact. Do you know what that means? Yes. That word is one of the things I self-taught myself. Mistress America played at Sundance in 2015. It was written by Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig, directed by Noah Baumbach. It stars Greta Gerwig, Lola Kirk, Heather Lind, Matthew Shear, and Jasmine Cephas Jones. Tracy, a lonely college freshman in New York, is rescued from her loneliness by her soon-to-be stepsister, Brooke, who is a dream chaser and a woman about town. Tracy continuously finds herself being pulled into Brooke's wacky schemes. I want to start out by talking about my favorite scene in the movie, and that is the introduction of Brooke, who is Greta Gerwig, and I think it is the most perfect introduction for her character, and I won't ruin the joke or anything, but she tries to make it seem like this big, grand event, like she's really special and sophisticated, and then it doesn't really work out the way she wants, and it becomes awkward and weird, and <laughs> you can see like the look on her face change, where she's just like, Oh, and she tries to like ditch it halfway through <laughs> and it makes me laugh so much I was laughing so hard I love that scene so look out for that you don't have to wait too long for it I like this movie quite a bit and it's not my favorite Noah Baumbach Greta Gerwig movie because that's Francis Ha but it's still quite good and they make a really good team so even though I would like for Greta only to write Barbie the upcoming movie it's fine if Noah's working with her because it'll still be great but I you'll accept it yeah because they're such a great team but yeah I like this movie a lot it kind of reminds me of sort of like a, a darker version of like Gilmore Girls kind of feel to it with their relationship and how they're talking and just the characters because Greta plays, of course, someone who is really self-absorbed. She spends most of the movie talking over Tracy a lot of the times <laughs> and Tracy is like half listening and then half responding and then Brooke will kind of hear it and then just be like, huh? What? And then just keep talking. But there are some fun moments where you don't think Brooke is listening but then she'll <laughs> bring it up like a few seconds later, like an awkward amount of time later and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, she was kind of listening. Yeah, I think she's smarter than she lets on. Mm -hmm. and people don't think that she's absorbing everything, but she really is. I mean, she is very self-involved, but she's also picking up other things. She's really uh, consumed with making her dreams happen. I think flighty would be the wrong word because it has like a negative connotation, but she's very burdened by life. It seems like she has a lot going on and is just trying to kind of juggle it all in her mind while also trying not to be too conventional, I guess. She wants to be cool and she doesn't want to be like run of the mill. She doesn't want an ordinary life and she has all of these things in the air. And I think she's also burdened with just the disappointment of not being somewhere else in her life, like at a place mm -hmm. higher than she is now. I think she thinks that she should be higher because whenever she was talking about high school or whenever she encounters someone from high school, she was always the it girl. Mm. I think it's probably more so she spends her time comparing herself to herself at other points in her life. N none of us can relate to that. Oh, no, not none at all. None of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of us are disillusioned and <laughs> wrecked. <laughs> Classic Greta Noah combo. Yes, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Greta plays these characters very well, just kind of broken and disillusioned and wanting better and struggling and not quite just tripping a lot, but ultimately getting to a comfortable place by the end. Yeah, I thought this was a pretty good movie. As you said, it's not my favorite of their collaborations, but I think it was pretty solid. And Bombach, he's a director I like pretty well, but I think I appreciate his movies more upon a rewatch. Mm -hmm. And I've only watched this once. He has a very particular 
dialogue and mm-hmm. interactions between characters and it can be it can take a little bit to get acclimated to just the dynamics at play because Tracy is a very particular character she's so excited and wants to fit in and even like in her classes she doesn't seem to quite gel with many people which is why she mm-hmm. reaches out to Brooke because she's struggling upon her mom's suggestion yeah I think the the dynamic of an older guide in your life is always interesting, even though, as is the case here, they often don't always have their lives together themselves. Yeah, she's not the best guide or mentor. Yeah, but even so, Tracy, she has stars in her eyes, basically, when she sees Brooke, because she's that cool older person that's yeah. like, oh, she's, she's what I want to be, but you're like, take a closer look, and maybe yeah. not exactly what you, just learn from what she's given giving you but build upon that to make your life be better by the time you're at her age not that (laughs) Brooke is like a disaster but you shouldn't use her as a shining example of how you want your life to play out yeah trying to get somewhere by unconventional means (laughs) yeah I think we should all try to be improving ourselves continually yeah Tracy also kind of uses um Brooke as like a muse because she is a writer Mm -hmm. and she's trying to get into this elite writing club at her college and she needs a good story to get in and she becomes enamored with Brooke, but she's also fascinated, I think, by just what she's going to do, like how this is going to play out and how she's going to handle things because she just writes about it mm-hmm. and she's narrating at points and it's like a case study. Yeah, she point. knows it's an interesting story. She's not <laughs> thinking that this she, is the dopest. Yeah, she knows that Brooke is odd. Atypical. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not going to end super well for Brooke. Like she's not going to get everything that she wants mm-hmm. and it's going to be weird so I think she's mostly along for the ride and she likes having someone to talk to who's kind of similar to her because Tracy's also just disappointed by college life Mm -hmm. and everyone around her because I think she's just so intelligent and also very observant and maybe just highly empathetic and everything. She absorbs everything and all these people seem to be busy with their lives and fitting in and they have things to talk about and they seem kind of carefree but then Tracy seems a bit on the darker side and like she can't quite relate to them and so she's disappointed because she can't make friends very easily. Yeah, the closest she gets initially uh, is the character of Tony, played by Matthew Shear, which... He also disappoints her. Yeah, she thinks it's heading in a romantic way but then he ends up getting a different girlfriend. Yeah. But their dynamic was frustrating but intriguing Mm -hmm. just because you could see he was a typical guy. Like, he was the quote-unquote nice guy and that you could easily become friends with and stuff and he's not super pressury yeah he's he's very low stakes he still also was a dude and kind of could not really handle her success whenever she was getting a little bit because he's like yeah. basically why are you so much better than me right now yeah because whenever they met they were friends but then he was like well i'm the superior i know better and yeah. i know more so yeah i'll help you write and then he gives her all, all these pointers but his writing isn't that good. It's super cringy, but one of my favorite scenes in the movie, this isn't a spoiler at all, but whenever they're comparing their works and she goes super easy on him Uh and kind of protects his ego and then he kind of just eviscerates her. Yeah, rips into her stuff. (laughs) And she just kind of has to stay in there and be like, oh, yeah, thanks. Because I'll work on that. She was trying to protect his ego because she thought that she wanted to date him and or just wanted a friend and that's the only way to keep him around and then he is confident that she'll just stick around no matter what. Like, she's already talking to me. It doesn't matter. Like, of course I'm just going to tell you everything that I think is wrong because... <laughs> I'm better than you, so yeah. you need to respect my opinion. Yeah, he's just kind of clueless. Yeah. He wasn't reading the room of what was going on. It was very uncomfortable, but funny. Yeah, whenever he gets jealous of her, it's very cringy. It's childlike. He's very immature. Yeah, I did like that the screenplay did not make her interest in Tony the primary driving force of her mm-hmm. evolution as a character. I mean, both Tracy and Brooke are evolving throughout the movie but for Tracy it was more so about her finding her place in college and finding that family with Brooke mm-hmm. in her new her new surroundings yeah I like that a lot too I like that it's more focused on the relationship between these two young women and then them f- 
finding themselves and their way. You're not a sucker for female-led coming-of-age stories, are you? You know what? Hmm. I totally am. Wow. <laughs> Maybe we should get more of those? Yeah, I would love that. People just need to write more of them. I also really love that this movie takes place in New York City. Ah, uh, yeah. That was awesome. And all the shots of things, especially with the introduction of Brooke's character, mm. that's like a really well-known part of New York City, and I love that they use that. It's uh, awesome. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was amusing. A lot of Noah's movies seem to involve people who have like manic and frantic energies, mm-hmm. and they're kind of neurotic at times, but also self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. So he's very good with that. Neuroses. Yeah. His movies are very prickly. <laughs> yeah. Handle with care. Yeah, but I enjoy them. Uh, I like the way that he uses the surroundings and the city to its advantage because one scene whenever we're meeting Brooke and kind of seeing her effortless, cool, moving throughout the city, mm-hmm. at one point it takes him to a concert and it's a Dirty Projectors concert <laughs> and she's just randomly friends with people yeah. from the Dirty Projectors because they're from New York and it's conceivable that she would just randomly be friends with this band. So I thought that was a fun yeah. uh, use of the environment of anything could happen in New York. Yeah, and also because she just she's so a woman about town and she knows everyone and she knows the ins and outs. She's experienced. Shout out to my cousin Steph because this kind of reminds me of her because she seems to know all of these cool people and places in Nashville. (laughs) Yeah, ever since I met you, you would just, whenever you'd start talking about Steph, you would just kind of get that starry-eyed look (laughs) that Tracy gets. Yeah, And you're like, yeah, she's just so cool. She's like, she's traveled in Europe and she's went to all these places and she's been in this band and she's done this and I was like alright cool I can't wait yeah. to meet her and she's pretty cool yeah she is that's why I, I like the relationship so much in the movie because I kind of relate to it because I have that with, with Steph I think she's so cool mm-hmm. and she as I've told you I use her as like a barometer of cool <laughs> you're cool too Jessica I keep telling you you're cool <laughs> I liked where this movie went and how their relationship evolved. Even though there has to be tension and things that go wrong, Mm -hmm. I liked how things were resolved. Yeah, that goes to, I guess that's a minor nitpick for me with the script. I feel that this was a situation where it could have been solved with a conversation, which Mm -hmm. often happens in shows and just drives me up a wall. It wasn't as big of a deal here. It is one of those things where it's revealed and then you can stop immediately and just like have that conversation right there and it'll be fine but then it they walk out and it just goes on but it has to go on because it's a movie yeah you need to have a story yeah but the ending is really nice and sweet i like that and even though noah's movies seem to have kind of a darker edge to them and maybe a sadness to them i like the ending it's it's satisfying i think mm-hmm. noah's movies with the sadness there's something very honest about them like emotionally mm-hmm. truthful that both of them do well honestly because yes. you can definitely see it in greta's Yes. standalone movies as well that there's usually there's a universal truth in there yes Greta is so good with just being relatable mm-hmm. and putting in honesty into her work even whenever she's acting mm-hmm. she always puts a little bit of herself and you can see it in her movies now and it's amazing I love her so much <laughs> pretty good it's pretty 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 good so I gotta know what is your rating system well, Jessica, I went with apple bonks because that comes at a <laughs> yeah. point later in the movie. So I guess I would give this three apple bongs out of five. No, I'm going to go three and a half apple bongs because <laughs> I think the writing was stronger than the bronze. Uh-huh. And this isn't my favorite bomb bop movie, but it is a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. Whenever you're saying that, it just makes me want to go three apple bongs. <laughs> <laughs> By that logic, I'm wavering again because I would say maybe four, but then I gave four to the bronze and it's better than the bronze. So then it would have to be four and a half. So Or knock down the bronze. Change my rating system on another movie? The people (laughs) have to listen to the whole episode to get this dramatic revelation. I can't do that. Okay. I'm not going to do it. It's tempting, but I'm not. I'm going to go with four and a half apple bongs out of five. Wow. That's a very strong rating. (laughs) Yeah, but Francis Ha would be five, so there you go. If anyone would like to see how they feel about the movie, Mistress America is currently available to own digitally and on Blu-ray. Hey, Mom, what do uh, 16-year-olds care about? When I was 16, all I cared about was smashing the patriarchy and burning it all down. Girls constitute a revolution. 
Did you hear rankings are already starting? Emma Cunningham's just gonna get ranked most bangable for the second year in a row. Kira Pascal for best ass. Caitlin Price, I'll take best rep. It's so nice not to be on anyone's radar. Totally. Seriously? Oh, can I help you? I don't know, can you? He's bothering you. He's harassing me. If you use that word, that means I have to do a bunch of stuff. You know that your school is weird, right? Ignore Mitchell. If you keep your head down, we'll move on and bother somebody else. I'm gonna keep my head up. Hi. Moxie debuted on Netflix in March of 2021 and was adapted by Tamara Chesna and Dylan Meyer and directed by Amy Poehler. The film stars Hadley Robinson, Alicia Pascual-Pena, Lauren Tsai, Patrick Schwarzenegger, Nico Haraga, Sidney Park, Joseph Lankford, Clark Gregg, Ike Barinholtz, Amy Poehler, and Marsha Gay Harden. Vivian, a seemingly shy 16-year-old, has always preferred to keep her head down and fly under the radar, but when the arrival of a new student forces her to examine the unchecked behavior of her fellow students running rampant at her high school, Vivian realizes that she's fed up. Inspired by her mother's rebellious past, Vivian anonymously publishes an underground zine called Mox to expose bias and wrongdoing in her high school and unexpectedly sparks a movement. Now at the center of a revolution, Vivian begins to forge new friendships with other young women and allies, reaching across the divide of cliques and clubs as they navigate the highs and lows of high school together. I quite enjoyed this movie. I thought it was very strong. I knew nothing about this before you put it on because I had forgotten if you had told me that it was coming. Gotta keep track of that Amy Poehler career. Mm. That directing career. I I fell asleep (laughs) on the job. I'm sorry. (laughs) Whenever we watched this, I was, and knew that it was from Amy Poehler, I was just the slightest amount hesitant because her first film, Wine Country, was not the strongest for me. I thought it was fine with all of the funny women that were in that movie I didn't think it reached its full potential but you didn't even think that she could grow I said I was like <laughs> I was hesitant <laughs> of course she can grow and she did grow exactly. this was this was better this one I like significantly more it might also have to do with me being a sucker for teen films mm-hmm. there's still a soft spot even though I'm pushing 30 um Ew. yeah <laughs> I still really like teen films and I really enjoyed the story, stories of rebellion and coming of age. I think Vivian's journey and this movie was what the the youth would call woke, (laughs) but it wasn't like preachy. Yeah, it wasn't preachy or in your face. It dealt with some real issues that I think are important. And even like smaller moments when the new student, Lucy, whenever she came into class, she was confronting the teacher about teaching the great Gatsby and how the schools are constantly just teaching about white rich men and how it'd be worthwhile to explore other works of literature from people of color and mm-hmm. women and sure some people might think that's preachy but I think it kind of confronts some of the systemic issues that <laughs> the fact that people would think that's preachy is pretty ridiculous to yeah, me because people are set in their ways like the guy who's in the class who interrupts her as she's saying what she's saying to be like it's a classic for a reason and that's kind of yeah all Gross. all you need to know about him yeah and but it's not just that it's the movie deals with a lot of issues that are worth exploring and are important and i think it's done in a really both funny way there's a lot of funny stuff in this movie but also very emotionally affecting yeah it has a lot of heart yeah so i quite enjoyed it I liked this movie a lot too. I try not to get my expectations up too high because I didn't want to be disappointed mm-hmm. because I'm just like, yeah, it's gonna be polar. But it was very good and it has like a, a lower score. Like people don't really like it as much, but I, I think they're being too harsh on it at times. And sure, some of the dialogue is a little cheesy mm-hmm. at points. Like whenever Vivian is talking to the boy that she likes, he can be a little corny yeah. at times. I was gonna mention that. He seems almost too good to be true yeah even though that is kind of what young men should probably be aspiring to be like open-minded and on the side of women yeah but the way he's written seems almost suspect like you expect him to be a closet douche yeah some of the stuff that he says can be a little corny but not everything whenever he realizes that she's doing the zine i thought that was a really cool and sweet moment and it wasn't corny at all whenever she had the expectation 
expectation that he would think that she was stupid or ridiculous or like a feminazi bitch or whatever. He was just like, I'll help you. It's okay. I'll help you pick these up off the floor. And I think that's really cool. I thought that was super sweet. And I loved that moment. If boys would just be like that, it would be great. But some of the things like situations of like sex and kissing and all of that, some of the things that he would say were kind of like unrealistic, but I liked that they were trying to flip the gender roles. Oh yeah. Okay. I get you're saying. Yeah, they instead of like a boy pressuring a girl to do anything, not that the girl pressured the boy, but it's just more so the girl was more gung-ho, but the boy was like, hey, maybe I don't want this right now. I like that they tried to flip it. The way that he was saying things, it was kind of, it didn't flow right or something. I can agree with that. I think the intentions behind the dialogue were good, but I don't think it was finessed in just a perfect way to make it genuine. Yeah. I really loved Amy's character, Amy Poehler, Mm -hmm. because she was her mom. She wasn't just like this zany, wacky character that she often plays. She was very toned down, but she was really cool. I liked their conversations that they would have and how she would talk with Vivian. And I love the moment of Vivian discovering all of her mom's old stuff and just learning and having her mind opened up and wanting to be more like her mom. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really great. But also it was really sad that she was just kind of hiding it from her mom a lot whenever that could have been a point that they could just talk together and relate and help each other out and learn from one one another. And you would think that she would be really eager to share that with her, but she wasn't. Yeah, because throughout the movie, Amy's character is shown to be still a very single, a singular force. Uh, She's not like a shrinking violet or anything. Mm -hmm. She sticks up for herself. So she's lived that life with her mother her old life. So I don't see why she feels like she might think she's wrong for doing it or doesn't understand because she is a hellraiser herself so she would have been like yeah she definitely understands yeah and even though her mom is really beaten down by life in the world because that happens and she's working full-time and she's tired she's still whenever she watches the news she'll still say things like i can't believe this and she still teaches vivian how things should be she's a great example for vivian yeah we have a lot of real world examples of people who were radicals when they were younger and going the opposite way once they get older. But I'm glad that, as you said, she kind of retains her punk rock spirit Yeah, I love whenever she finds her mom's stuff. Like, a lot of the stuff is really Amy's, her past stuff. That's awesome. I was thinking that it might be. Yeah. I know we were just talking about Amy as a mom. I know she's played moms before, like in Mean Girls, Mm -hmm. to hilarious effect. But with her genuinely playing a mom, a teenager, she's putting herself in the mom role but it's not a traditional box for a mom role it's very she has her own life and yeah her own little sub arc within this movie like admitting that she wants companionship and is trying to enter into this new relationship with Clark Gregg's character and how that impacts uh, Vivian and it's not a huge part of the movie but I think it puts her outside of the typical oh yeah she's the mom but we don't give her anything to do yeah Amy Poehler's mom has more of a a darker edge to her like a fiercer edge and I really love that and I love that bits of her actual life are put in there so that's awesome because she loved like punk rock and everything this is just me knowing this because I read her book yes please yeah you should all read it but just seeing those pictures in the book and then seeing them again and like the riot girl stuff and (laughs) bikini kill they use the music Mm -hmm. in the movie and I know that's all Amy this is mostly focused on the high school age kids and I really like Vivian's friendship and well she had a core friendship with Claudia the friend that she's had Mm -hmm. basically her entire life and I thought that friendship was pretty great but it was complex it also showed the strain that certain friendships go under whenever people are branching out and finding different aspects of themselves yeah expanding their minds yeah as she's also making other new friends and just kind of I think it threaded the realism of friendship in high school and how complicated it can be really well yeah I like all of the touches like the nuances that were put in there and it made everything really fleshed out Mm -hmm. so it was more believable and realistic instead of just surface level bullshit. (laughs) 
Can I tell you what this movie occasionally made me think of? And this might kind of seem like a weird comparison. (laughs) Okay. This movie kind of reminded me of Promising Young Woman Mm -hmm. because it's to a much lesser degree, but Vivian is taking certain establishments to task. There's a a big thing of Lucy being a new student. She, with the guy who contradicted her about The Great Gatsby, he's kind of terrorizing her and Mm -hmm. starts like spitting in her drinks and stuff. And she goes to the principal, played by Marsha Gay Harden, to report this and say, hey, he's harassing me. And it's kind of similar to Connie Britton in Promising Young Woman. Marsha Gay Harden's character, the principal doesn't want to, she wants to kind of play it off and not not escalate it to being a very big deal. We don't want to like ruin ruin his career. Yeah. <laughs> ruin this star athlete. So I know it's a weird comparison, but also there are elements of kind of similar to the burn book in Mean Girls, but there's a, a list that the guys come up with to basically rank and describe the women like superlatives it's it's the same thing as in 13 reasons why yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And this movie actually does go to some dark places near the end. That part made the movie feel extra essential and not just kind of like a throwaway. Not that... Some people thought that it was just shoehorned in. But I think... I don't think it was. No. Then they dropped breadcrumbs throughout to kind of lead you in it. Yeah. It built up to it naturally. And whenever it was said, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. This isn't as good as Promising Young Woman, no. <laughs> but I think that ethos of wanting to set right the patriarchy is there. Yeah, which is nice. I mean, that's that's basically the whole movie. Mm-hmm. It's just this young woman learning that she's been in this whole this whole system, mm-hmm. and she didn't see it because it's just kind of status quo. And then she sees the things like she's opened her eyes mm-hmm. and she learns, and then she wants to make a difference and she wants it to be better. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole movie, and of course. I love stuff like that. Love those movies. And I would love to have more of them. But it's very rare that we get movies like this, which is pretty sad. Yeah. Female empowerment, I think that just rubs certain people the wrong way. Like, oh, this is a preachy movie. But just <laughs> watching, because people get butthurt. But it's stupid. Yeah. Watching these young women just see that they do have power, mm-hmm. like whenever they bond together. That's just, that's always nice. And yeah. I think a lot of people have realized that in the last decade. So. Yeah, I love movies like that. They always choke me up a bit, just relating to my own life and remembering like how I felt whenever I realized certain things, and it's really touching. <laughs> so I would love to have more movies like that. And I hate that feminist and feminism has become such a dirty word. Yeah. And whenever you say it, people roll their eyes and they immediately shut off, and it's ridiculous because they're just like, oh, you mean bra-burning man-haters? And that's not it at all. Like, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I love how this movie has layers, and it's not like it tries to cover too much in one movie because it just shows how many things that this patriarchy affects and it is so much it's in all parts of life and it's just showing all of them so it covers a lot of ground one criticism that I did have of the movie is Vivian's character she starts off really naive and sheltered mm-hmm. and just like what we were saying her mom isn't she her mom is very much like a, a strong figure and a strong feminist mentor and everything but Vivian still isn't there even though she grew up in that household and some of the things that she just kind of accepts or thinks is fine is strange but I guess they had to put her at a place where there could be a big amount of growth like there's the the part where the new girl is talking about the douchebag bullying her and harassing her basically and then Vivian encounters her in the stairwell and she's like oh well, that's just what he does he's just a dummy that's like the second time that she's said that just Be- ignore him yeah and she said that to her mom earlier and her mom was like um no and Vivian said that to this girl and she's like that's just how it is and the girl is like but why you realize it doesn't have to be this way and Vivian's like oh and I just find it strange strange that that's like her moment of like waking up. I get that. I can kind of believe it just because I think it's along the lines of I think both in media and and from people that I've known in real life just because their parents are certain ways like whenever say your parents are potheads or drunks or something and then the children go the opposite way and want to be like straight edge Mm -hmm. which maybe the like Amy's behavior growing up her whole life she I mean I think she didn't hate it but it might have just been a bit much for Vivian and she didn't really take it. She was probably just like
like, oh, mom, she's just being mom. You know how she is. She's always just like yelling at the waiter for saying, like addressing her this way or assuming this. And it may have just kind of become so commonplace that it just kind of didn't really, she kind of didn't want to do that as well. Because it maybe, maybe yeah. it led to some like embarrassment throughout her life or just wanting to more fit in and not. It could be a slight flaw in the writing, but I, I can also see a world where it just is explained away that way. Yeah, I mean, she's she seems very sheltered. Yeah. But I get that she also, at the beginning, she's more of like, I just want to go with the flow and not get bothered. Not make waves. Yeah. Just make it to college. Yeah. And she, I mean, she also mentioned that dude picked on her before too. Like there was a time where he messed with her and she's just like, you just have to put your head down and get through it and it'll go away. He'll stop. Yeah. Ugh. That's sad. <laughs> yeah. The moment at the end where it's basically just, there are boys included, but it's a large group of girls and they're all talking and listening. That part really, it got me. It got me really good. Yeah. That was a really great moment. I thought I loved it and it choked me up a lot. And I like that there were some boys out there listening. Yeah. It was nice. I love moments in movies and TV whenever there are a lot of women and they're like, hey, I'm here for you and I'm going to listen. What do you have to say? Mm -hmm. And they just listen and they're like, you're not wrong. And whatever you're saying, it's good. It's fine. You're okay because we got you. I love stuff like that. Yeah, it was a very nice scene and it seemed earned to me. Mm -hmm. I thought so. Now, if any of you sons of bitches got anything else to say, now's the fucking time. I know you got one, so hit me with that rating system. I'm bouncing around between three, but I think I'll settle on punk rock jackets. Nice. <laughs> this rating system is going to mess me up again because I kind of want to give this a four, but then I think that it's better than the bronze. So this whole thing has got me messed up. I'm telling you, you, you <laughs> rated the bronze so high that it's just, it's created ripple effects. What if I gave the bronze a 3.7? Three. <laughs> I mean, it's our podcast. You can honestly do anything you want, but that's between you and your God. Fine. I will give the bronze three and a half questionable tattoos out of five, and I will give this movie four punk rock jackets out of five. Are you keeping Mistress America as is? Yes. Four and a half? Yes. All right. Well, I came up with a rating system for this, and I went with hand stars, mm -hmm. uh, and I will rate this movie three and a half hand stars. I thought it was quite good. Good job, Amy. She's not a regular director. Director. She's a cool director. Absolutely. <laughs> As mentioned earlier, if you would like to see what you think of this movie, it is currently streaming exclusively through Netflix. for a top five countdown. This time we are doing top five female-led high school films. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up. My number five is John Tucker Must Die. Ooh. I really, really liked this movie whenever it came out, and I still love it. I think it's aged well. I mean, no, you shouldn't bully each other. I love the the sentiment, and it's more like double standard stuff. And I, I love the cast, and the comedy in it is pretty cool. Yeah, I've liked that movie both times I've seen it. I think it's a good choice. My top five, I think we'll probably have a lot of the same top five, but yeah. I think we'll make up for it in the honorable mentions. But my first movie is one that actually hasn't been released wide yet. Um, it's one we watched earlier this year for South by Southwest, and that is The Fallout from mm -hmm. director Megan Park, and it stars Jenna Ortega and Maddie Ziegler. Um, it is a lot darker. It's about the lives of these two girls following a school shooting and how they cope with that. It was just announced recently that it will be coming to HBO Max later this year, so look forward to that. But if you want to get a sneak peek of that, I have a review up on geekvibesnation.com. My number four is Freaky Friday. Nice. The Lilo version. <laughs> that came out at a time whenever it was pretty much peak Lindsay Lohan. And I love that movie. And I still love that movie. I just watched it, I think, last year again. And um, Jamie Lee Curtis's performance is, I think, that's one of the best performances I've seen from her. She is awesome. And Lindsay was great in it. I just love that movie. I love that version of Freaky Friday. Oh! 
Uh, number four is Booksmart from Olivia Wilde. I love that movie, and yeah, it's just pretty great. <laughs> yeah, it is very great. <laughs> You've spoken about it on previous top five, so I won't go in depth. My number three is Never Been Kissed. I knew it. <laughs> I love that movie. I also love Drew Barrymore. She is one of my favorites. And that movie came out whenever I was, I think, seven, nine or seven or nine. And I think it really shaped a lot of my humor. And I really, really related to Josie. It's so good. And it's really touching. And it's really funny. And yes, Drew's character isn't actually in high school, but she is posing as a student. So it takes place in high school. And the cast is really great there's a lot of people in it look for a octavia spencer cameo (laughs) that's exciting i think i have come to appreciate that movie even more because of you i used to i liked it before i saw you but now i've become more enamored with it over time Uh, my number three is Bring It On. Hell yeah. Yeah, because Kirsten Dunst is the best. <laughs> Gabrielle Union is dope. And it's been quite a while since I've seen the movie, but I used to watch it all the time when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And it's very funny. It has a really good script, and Kirsten puts in a really great performance, as per the usual. Yeah. <laughs> it hits the spot. Whenever it came out, you had a lot of young kids being like, Burr, it's cold in here. <laughs> My number two is She's the Man. Once again, I love that movie. It is super solid. It is one of the best Shakespeare adaptations I've seen. And it was peak Amanda Vine's times. And I really wish that she could do more work like that. I know she had to take a break, but I would love to see her in more movies like that. Because like I have said in a written review, Amanda Vine's was like a Lucille Ball during that time. She's very good with physical comedy and doing voices. She's pretty great. And that movie is highly quotable as well. I still quote it and I still think about it. And it introduced us to Channing Tatum, so that's pretty cool. Damn, that's a good movie right there. (laughs) I love She's the Man. We quote a lot of the David Cross lines a lot in our house, so that's fun. My number two, and we've had a lot less overlap than I thought we were going to. Mm -hmm. My number two is Lady Bird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We've talked about Greta a lot this episode, but this is Greta Gerwig's singular directorial debut, Mm -hmm. and it's so good and Sersha is really amazing as the titular <laughs> ladybird it was given to me by me <laughs> <laughs> the movie it's just her relationship with Lori Metcalf it does the heart good because it's so honest and as we've talked about Greta is so good with just dialogue and relationships and I just love her and I love the movie Sersha she's one of my top actresses mm-hmm. working right now a lot of Greta is in that movie as well. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's so great. Yeah. Are you ready? My number one is Bean Girls. Mm. (laughs) It still makes me laugh. And it is also very, very quotable. And I still quote it almost, at least I would say like four times a month, at least. I already quoted a couple times on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I love it so much. And also it's really like a sweet spot for my humor, like my type of humor that I like, because it has that darkness to it. Tina Fey, she really did that script very well. (laughs) Got your cousins and your first cousins. That's not right, is it? No. (laughs) (laughs) And also, around the same time as peak Lindsay Lohan times, because Freaky Friday was, I think, right before that, like a year or two. So she went way up and she just went down. (laughs) Poor Lindsay. Yeah, I still love Lindsay. Also, Rachel McAdams nailed it. (laughs) Everything about that movie is wonderful. I love it. I'll keep this train rolling because Mean Girls is also my number one. (laughs) (laughs) Damn straight. Yeah, I had a feeling. Yes, this movie is hilarious. We quote it all the time. It's just so funny. Every single casting choice in that movie is great. Mm -hmm. Tim Meadows as... (laughs) Is it Principal? Principal. Yeah, Principal. And his Anthony Yeah. Yeah. All of this stuff. Oh, hell no. I did not leave the South Side for this. (laughs) No, a young Lizzie Kaplan. She was yeah, great. Damn. That movie is so good. It's almost perfection. Almost. People love it for a reason. It's a comedy classic. I just so wish that they made movies like that more yeah. now. And now it's time for honorable mentions. My honorable mentions, quite a bit, because there are a lot more than I thought, because whenever I started thinking more, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, The Edge of Seventeen, mm-hmm. Lady Bird, The Princess Diaries, Booksmart, Sixteen Candles, except for that long duck dong, uh, if they would just take that out, Pretty in Pink, Easy A, 
Teen Witch, mm-hmm. and Heathers. I think we had a lot of the same ideas. Edge of Seventeen very nearly made my list. Mm-hmm. Um, some more obscure ones that I was thinking of. Diary of a Teenage Girl. Yes, God, yes. I really liked from last mm-hmm. year. I have a soft spot for the remake of Hairspray, even yeah. though a lot of people don't like that movie. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> the half of it on Netflix. Yeah, was, I thought about that. It was really good. Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh, yeah. How uh, could I forget? That scene at the end. With... But that wouldn't be as female-led because it's kind of a mixture. Isn't it mostly Julia? Not really. There's a good amount with the boy who's trying to get Alex Mack. <laughs> I can't remember her name. Well, I guess it's good. I didn't pick it then. Yeah. And also uh, The Virgin Suicides. So. Mm-hmm. I forgot about Bring It On. I, I would include that in my honorable mentions as well. These are not spirit fingers. These are spirit fingers. And these are gold. joining us for this episode of Home Dance Film Festival. Join us again next week when we will be discussing 2009's An Education starring Carrie Mulligan in the 2020 documentary Boy State, plus a wild card that you will have to wait to hear about. For those who want to prepare at home, An Education is currently available on Blu-ray and to stream on HBO Max, and Boy State is available exclusively through Apple TV+. If you have any thoughts or opinions about the movies we discussed today or movie suggestions, you can write us at homedancepod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and tweet at us at homedancepod. If you feel so inclined, feel free to leave a rating or review. It helps us out. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DylanGonzalez2. You can also find me publishing reviews almost daily on geekvibesnation.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at JessicaNarrates. You can also find me contributing to geekvibesnation.com. We are proud to be a part of the Geek Vibes Nation podcasting network. Original music for the show is provided by Andrew Carroll, who can be found at musicbyandrewcarroll.com. Original artwork for the show is provided by Ben Belcher, who can be found on Instagram at the Art of Ben Belcher. I've been Dylan. And I've been Jessica. And remember, the early bird catches the sperm. Now let's go work on that landing. Bye! Cheese.